Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. It is Thursday, April 9th, and uh, it's nearing the end of the day out here in Colorado. It's about 6.30 p.m., and I'm just getting around to firing up the old Pro Tools. And uh, kind of a busy day out here for me, lots on my mind, as I'm sure lots on your mind with what's going on in the world and the abundance of uncertainty and all of the ways in which being in this forced kind of retreat container can really offer a almost bewildering and confusing array of experiences where you're not really even sure which one to trust or not trust or try to find enough distraction or try to be present. And it really just brings me to mind, I wanted to talk a little bit about this practice that's not a very talked about practice so much. Actually, the one person who talks about it a lot that I appreciate is my good friend Josh Corda uh, in New York City talks about this practice of wise reflection, which is a way in which we can reflect on our lives and our experience and draw some meaning draw a sense of goodness, a sense of purpose, our own sense of integrity, uh, of being well and doing well. And the reason I like this practice is, generally speaking, I feel and I have noticed that thinking gets such a bad rap in the mindfulness world and also just in, in the contemplative meditation, insight, vipassana. A lot of people just feel like thinking is sort of the problem thinking is the enemy in that if we were good meditators, if we were somehow good at this cultivation of awareness, we would be able to just keep the thoughts out. Which if you follow that line of reason, first of all, doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, if we didn't have thinking, we wouldn't get anything done. Thinking is really one of the most valuable and actually really beautiful tools that we have disposable to us. So again, like a lot of things in the Buddhist perspective, thinking isn't the problem, thinking isn't bad or wrong, it's again, it's our relationship to our thoughts, our relationship to our mind. What kind of a relationship do we have to our mind and what kind of thoughts can we deliberately form? This is a huge aspect of mindfulness that gets very little attention. It's a huge part of the Brahma Vihara heart practice where we deliberately incline the mind towards the directions of kind friendliness and compassion and gratitude, equanimity, understanding. And we want to use the mind and see it as a tool. The mind, the thinking mind is a, is a great tool, but like any tool, like a knife, for example, it can be used in a whole range of ways. So thinking can be a weapon. Uh, it can also be a tool. So in a sense, thinking is, we might call it ethically neutral. It's how we relate to it. It's how we work with our thinking mind in our practice. And I was thinking about this a lot today because I feel like I'm on a retreat. I feel like the whole world is on a retreat, a self-retreat where the theme is the first noble truth which I believe and my hope is that this will be a good thing for humanity, this forced sense of reflection, 
So, of course, the word wise reflection, the word wise, the word wisdom is a word I don't particularly care for so much because, honestly, I have no idea what it means. I know that it's important. I know that the Buddhist tradition talks about wisdom, but um, I'm not really sure what wisdom is. So I don't find it to be all that useful. I feel like it's more of an understanding, uh, being able to understand, being able to comprehend, being able to develop an ethical framework for life. These things seem important. They seem a lot more doable. And also reflection. I want to say what that means to me. That's a word I've been using a lot lately because when I think about the cultivation of awareness or the cultivation of mindfulness, again, I don't like this word meditation so much. I like the word bhavana, which comes from the Buddhist, the early Buddhist tradition, which is the word the Buddha used for what we call meditation, but really what it means is cultivation. We cultivate. And if we cultivate, there has to be purpose and intention and direction and deliberately forming the mind in a particular way. And to me, reflection is really the radical practice of self-honesty. And this is something that I really greatly attribute to my work in the 12 Steps, having been part of that program for many years now, this tremendous emphasis on being honest with yourself, I think, is the core of reflection. And mindfulness, of course, is the mirror. So if we think about what mindfulness is and how it can be used in a perfect sense, essentially what mindfulness is, is a mirror. And when we sit down and we practice or we reflect, When we do a reflection, we take the mirror and we turn it inward. And what mindfulness does, all it really does, is it shows us an accurate presentation of what is happening in our direct experience, in our internal life, in our memories, in our plans, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, our emotions. It just shows us what's there. And the better our mindfulness is, the more accurate of a picture that we get, the more accurate of a framework we get for what's really going on in our direct experience. And of course, the problem here is oftentimes we do not like what we see. We all run into this. We don't like what we see. We feel bad about ourselves. We feel bad about our choices. We feel bad about our role in the world. We feel... uh, We feel upset, we feel unworthy, we feel a whole range of really afflictive, destructive experiences. And when we when we see that in the mirror, we begin the sort of process of what's known as ignorance, but I prefer the term denial. We don't want that to be true. And then we start the negotiation process, right, don't we? We start to negotiate with that. And this is where we start to distort and we start to alter the perception of what the mirror is showing us. In some ways, we're cheating our own practice. And one thing that I like to think about in this wise reflection is it's totally okay, totally appropriate, and very reasonable if you're not doing okay right now. In any of the ways in which you feel totally fucked up about whatever. It's totally okay. This was the great dharmic transmission that I received almost 25 years ago now 
when I was sleeping upstairs at the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies before it was the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies. It was just a farmhouse that IMS owned, sleeping up there with my friend Hanuman. And then the following morning, meeting my first Dharma teacher, Stephen Smith, who came up in the morning and talked to me about my life's experience. And I, with for whatever reason, I don't actually know why, I felt like I trusted him. I never met him before. I was only 18 years old. For some reason, I have no information as why I, I was able to reflect back to him my experience in life that I had that I had had through multiple traumatic events and lots of loss and confusion and self-hatred and just a whole sort of existential crisis like a bad John Paul Sartre novel. And what was reflected back to me was that suffering, it's okay to suffer. It's going to happen. It happens to all of us. And I felt like I had a tremendous permission which I never really experienced before, that it was okay to not be okay. And in fact, not only was it okay to not be okay, that actually there was a lot of, dare I say, wisdom in being able to open to and to touch the ouch of it all. And to really reflect on this this wise reflection of this self-honesty process that we go through in Dharma practice where we're essentially just saying yes to all that has happened. We're not negotiating with it. We're not trying to put a pretty ribbon on it. We're not trying to explain it. We're not trying to wrap it in some Buddhist way to make it seem okay. It's just an honest self-reflection that things have been really, really hard. And for me, this, this wise reflection has really been so helpful lately that it reminds me why I'm doing this in the first place. You know, I don't know who's listening or what your experience or practice is, but if you're listening to my podcast, I'm assuming that you've done some Dharma practice and I'm assuming to some degree you're following what I'm saying because I don't, uh, I'm not trying to complicate matters here. So sometimes the reflection can be, I think it's really important that we have to remember why we're doing this in the first place. What are we really not hoping to get out of this. But what is it that we're trying to recapture? What is it that we're trying to remember? What is it that we're trying to feel into that is below and beneath all of the superficial ways in which we move about the world? All of the ways in which we participate in trying to adjust to prevailing social norms, trying to fit in, trying to make sense of it all, trying to end suffering. What a fucking waste of time. This whole misunderstanding in the Dharma world has just been so haunting me for 30 years 
that actually suffering is the path, is the, is the way out of suffering. This ending of dukkha business seems to be a big trap for many of us. I know it has for me. Again, this dukkha, this suffering, this, this dimension of our humanity is really built into the fabric of our experience. And if you hadn't touched the ouch of your own suffering, I would argue there's no way you would be listening to me talk right now. Absolutely no way. So when we reflect back on this, we maybe want to think about what is it that we are ultimately most deeply concerned about. This is the way some people actually define religion, which is a tricky word. I don't feel that um, close to that term, but I do like this idea of being reminded and what mindfulness really means to recollect, to remember, to remember that which has been said long ago. That actually a lot of what mindfulness is, is to reflect and to remember. What was it that happened in your life that prompted you to sit down, to be willing to actually sit down, put down all of the sensory distractions and pleasantries of this world, and in probably some degree of personal crisis or confusion, being willing to be with yourself, to be with your direct experience in this kind of way. And then this Dharma door, this ancient practice, sometimes known as the sacred mystery of awareness, really starts to put us in a place where we start to ask better questions, deeper questions, more important questions, probably the same questions the Buddha struggled with almost 3,000 years ago. And then we remember, right? We remember, we recollect, oh yeah, that's right. That's right, I'm waking up to the fact that the story I've been told about life, the conditioning I've experienced has been unsatisfying, unrealistic, that what I thought I was looking for turns out to not be at all what I was looking for. And so in these current times, you know, sometimes, you know, I think about practice, 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 and, you know, I think about it in in the arena of being a musician of like rehearsal and practice and like, when's the concert? You know, when's the game? Well, this is it. This is the concert. This is what we have been practicing for. The global self-retreat where whether you like it or not, whether you're a practitioner or not, whether you know anything about Buddhism or not, everybody to some degree is having to reflect in a very deep way in the reality of this first noble truth, as it's called or this first understanding of the tragic dimension of life in which we mostly just want to be asleep to. And my hope, my feeling, is that as it occurred to me and to anybody who's really been inspired to 
take on this Dharma endeavor will prompt the arriving of some better questions. And maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. I hope that I'm not. And hope to some degree of what I'm saying is true, that this might be a prompting wake-up call for humanity to go about things differently. You know, there's a great quote by Bruce, Bruce Lee that says, under duress, in the influence of difficult times, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. You know, and I, I think that you could think about that for a second. I think about that a lot. And right now, I feel in a very big way that I am, my current reflection is that I am waking up and having to accept the level of my training and the fact that I am certainly not done. Probably far from it, my path is not finished. And I'm actually totally okay with that. I take a lot of comfort in that. And I'm finding it, dare I say, enjoyable, at least certainly very interesting, to have to find myself throughout the last 45 years being confronted with this same dilemma. Birth, old age, sickness, and death. I was born. I'm going to die. And if that's what I know to be true, then why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are you spending six hours a day scrolling through digital trash of Facebook feeds looking for something pleasant? Why are you not connected to the moment? Why are you not connecting to your family and your friends and the people in your general vicinity? One thing that I've learned in all of this that I can say here for the last few minutes is I'm also waking up to the fact that I've been pretty checked out for the last couple of years. And not necessarily in a destructive way or in a way that I feel bad about, but now that I'm waking up each day, I know where to go, nothing to do. You know, watching endless episodes of Daniel the Daniel Tiger and uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog with my 18-month-year-old son and just really having to acclimate to the just day-to-day of being a householder. I love it. I love not booking flights and thinking about what I'm going to do next. And the future is just like, I haven't even like, I ain't even looked at that in two weeks. So I'm finding that there's something really, uh, I don't even know what the word is, maybe important, maybe dare I say sacred, about having to live in this kind of framework. And the lastly, I can just encourage you out there, do not squander any of the experiences that you're having, any of the joy, any of the suffering, any of the confusion. This is a great retreat to be on right now and to really take this whole thing very seriously and to find the time to reflect on what are you ultimately concerned about? What really matters? You know, does it matter that you can't go to the grocery store? Does it matter you can't get on a plane? Does it really matter that the Amazon truck's going to be two weeks late? Do you really care? I'm finding that I don't. So anyway, 
That's what's on my mind today. I hope you're all safe out there, taking care of yourselves. And I uh, hope to see you live in living color here someday. Be well, y'all. I'm out.